Well, this, uh, as Marjorie mentioned, it is the last, it is the last Sunday in Epiphany. And uh, it is the last set of readings that encourage us to think of some um, aspect of Jesus' person and character. We've been doing this really for uh, the past six weeks. And it's been a long way since Advent. We've seen Jesus as an infant. We've seen him uh, born in a manger. We've seen him as a young Israelite presented in the temple. We've seen him baptized. We've seen him as a teacher. And we've seen him uh, crucified on the cross. Today, though, we get a different vantage point. We see him transfigured, exalted as the Lord of all Israel. And I think on a basic kind of theological level, the program here, it's kind of a spoiler, is to reveal that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. And so these past weeks, we've seen Jesus as, uh, as human. We've seen him born in, in a manger. We've seen him presented as a young Israelite, as all Israelites were. We've seen him uh, teaching. We've seen him do all of these very human things. But today we see him do something that humans don't normally do, and that's become transfigured in a whole you know, shroud of light and glory. But this glory isn't just a kind of um, display. It's not just a sort of like fireworks um, stand show of Jesus's um, power. It's a different kind of glory. It's an association. So Jesus, Peter, James, they go up on the mountain. The cloud of God's presence descends and everything looks like that first reading that we read. Do you remember? the story in Exodus, that happens to be intentional. The point is not so subtle. It's that this Jesus, the one who looked very human, the one who gathered all these disciples, the one who we've seen in uh, his hometown, the one who uh, is just like you and me, is that God of Israel. He's the God of the Exodus. He's the one who uh, uh, meets with Moses up at the top of Sinai, he's the one who fully embodies the law. He's the one who covenanted with these people, led them out of Egypt, and made them a nation. In other words, Jesus is the Lord of all things. We've seen him as a human, now we see him as Lord. And I'd say that this is kind of a not that subtle way of making the point. It's good for people like me, I appreciate it. But that's not really what I want to focus on. I am less concerned with the doctrinal here, although that's very important. I care about doctrine. And more concerned with the experience. What does this encounter for glory mean for us? What do we think about glory? Does glory even matter to us? What do we do when we see it? And this makes me think of a few years back, um, taking my nieces and nephews. My sister has a whole like slew of kids. And um, so we went to the zoo and I don't know about you, but whenever I go to the zoo and you get to the lion part or really any of like the cool animals, they're never there. They're like (laughs) always hiding. I mean, I even wonder sometimes if they have these animals. But we get to the lion section and I swear, I'm not joking. This isn't just like a cool sermon illustration. The lion walks out. It's kind of late in the evening. Maybe that has something to do with it. The lion walks out of his cave, shakes his mane, and then roars into the night. And I, you know, my, I was like, it is real. That lion is real. And um, 
it was, it was strangely powerful for me. It was this moment of glory. I don't know if you've ever seen a lion roar, but you should. It is incredible. And so I turned down to my little uh, niece, and I'm like, did you see that? And she was like, uh, yeah, and when are we going to the carousel? <laughs> and I was just merry-go-round. Is that the same thing? Anyway, you get the point. She was not that. She, we did not have the same experience with glory, as it were. Here's another example. Um, I grew up, I, I love, um, you're going to hear lots of sermon illustrations for this, so just like, sorry. But I, I love surfing. Grew up surfing, love watching it. I'm a big enthusiast of it. And um, the coolest thing that you can do when you're surfing is to, you know, pull back into the wave so that it covers you up. It's called getting in the barrel. And so that's the coolest, like, most awesome thing you can do. But the most not cool thing that you can do is when you come out of it to, like, throw your hands in the air and pretend that it, and act like it's the coolest thing ever, (laughs) which it is. So you have to ride out of it if you get to do that, and then you get to sort of quietly, like, sink back down onto your serve and just sit there as if nothing happened. And that's cool. (laughs) That's cool. But do you see what I'm getting at here? We have this complicated relationship with glory, Either we don't notice it, we're just kind of a distracted people, or we do experience it and we're too timid to really uh, revel in it. We have this complicated relationship with glory. And I think it's actually not a complicated, complicated relationship with glory, but it's more a complicated relationship with our deepest desires. Because as you all know, our desires are actually what control us. And so to, to revel and to glory in our deepest desires is to actually reveal something really uh, deep and vulnerable about oneself. It's to kind of show your cards, as it were. So I, I think that our, one of our desires, one of our deepest desires that we are scared to admit is for glory. We long for it. We all just like thirst to see glory. If you don't believe me, think about it this way. Um, 1941, C.S. Lewis gave this famous sermon uh, called The Weight of Glory. It is, uh, in my mind, it's one of the best things he ever wrote. If you ever kind of want to know like what C.S. Lewis is about in a nutshell, that's one of the best ways to do it. So he uh, goes into describing glory in this incredible way. I, you know, I wish I could just read it here, but I can't. But he describes it in two ways. He says, glory is first about fame. And what he means here is not fame in kind of the um, juvenile sense, but fame as rapport with others, with your peers. It's that sense of um, being told, well done, or in the scriptural sense, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. So it's, a, it's acknowledgement and it's rapport with a group of peers or those whom you care about. It's fame. The second thing it is, is it's transcendence, it's light or luminosity, a kind of brightness. But it's not just like seeing that beauty or experiencing that beauty. It's also, it also involves the desire to be one with it. Some of you may have felt this sort of heart pang when you see a sunset. You know, it goes, you see it happens and it goes down. And you leave with this sense of longing like, I, A, it's, it's over, and B, I want to be where that is. But you can't because it's, it's over and you're not a sun or a star or whatever. You're stuck on the beach or wherever you are. 
That's what he means by transcendence. The desire to be deeply one with what's beautiful. Not just to see it, not just to kind of tip your hat at it, but to be wrapped up in it. And I think Lewis is absolutely right. Uh, And I have some proofs for us of this. The first one is one of the most common conversations that I have heard people talk about in Nashville. I think you'll know it well. It goes like this. Oh, like that. It goes like this. I saw Taylor Swift at Radnor Lake, and guess what? She said hey to me. Or insert any other famous person. But do you know this? People do this all the time. I saw X and X famous person, and you wouldn't believe it, but they are actually the nicest person. Who knows if they are or not. Um, but you, even if you don't want to be famous, I think so many of us long to be acknowledged by famous people. And if you don't do I know you do this because I do this. So you're doing it. And if you're in this room and you're famous, you still do it. I know that you're doing it. <laughs> so even when we tell ourselves that we don't want fame, we love to be seen and acknowledged by those who are famous. Now, the other part I think is true as well, the part about transcendence. Uh, we long to be united and sort of enveloped in, in beauty and splendor. Listen to the way Lewis actually describes it. would have been better to start just with that. We do not want merely to see beauty. We want something else, something else which can hardly be put to words to be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become part of it. Don't, don't you resonate with that? Don't you, like, feel that? I, man, I, maybe I'm just a, a romantic, but I think you do too. You know why? Because all the money that everybody spends at REI or going on trips to go skiing out west or the amount of people that visit national parks, you want glory and you want to be part of it because you go into the natural world and you don't just, like, see it from buildings. You want to go into it. You want to go hiking on hiking trails You bought the fancy shoes so that you could do it. You got the ski pass so you could go up into the mountains and the fancy machinery that takes you up on glaciers. You want that. You want it. I do. I know you do because I do too. So we do want glory. Glory does drive us. We want to be acknowledged and known. We want to be part of a beauty that's bigger than ourselves. I think before we go acting as if we don't care about that, we should just be honest. We do. We want glory. We want those things. But how do we get it? I mean, that's the, always the, the rub. I think the transfiguration shows us the way. It's the perfect expression of just what we're talking about. Listen to this. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. It's all there. Do you see it? There's Jesus who receives perfect acknowledgement, perfect approval before the face of God the Father. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then there's also the union. There's the union in the splendor of God. The father Jesus is clothed in white. Light is illuminating from his body. Moses and Elijah are there. And then that instant when everyone disappears and it's just him, 
bathed in the glory of God, Jesus alone, union with actual splendor. Splendor made manifest perfectly. God's glory confined in one human person. The impossible has been made possible. But that's not it because you see what happens next. It's better than that. The disciples rightly, and I think we could get it, fall on their faces. And then do you remember what Jesus says to them? Rise, have no fear. In other words, Jesus says, because of me, you can stand in the presence of God. Because of me, you can be acknowledged by God the Father. Stand, have no fear. Because of me, you can be famous. Don't be afraid. Because of me, you can be clothed in splendor. Don't you see, when Jesus is both human and God, it means we gain the fame of Christ himself before the Father, and we gain the splendor of Jesus in his perfect glory. I think in my, you know, immense experience as a pastor all of a year, um, I, I've, I've noticed... I've noticed that people actually don't, don't really like themselves that much. For the most part, people don't, either they don't like themselves that much or they have parts of themselves that are so, uh, they're so frustrated with it, it kind of eclipses all of the other things in their heart that they think about when they think about themselves. Likewise, I've noticed most people feel like what they're doing in life doesn't take on a sense of meaning in the same way that they would want it to. You should see where I'm going with this. God doesn't just acknowledge you. God delights in you. God doesn't just say, look at my beauty. He clothes you in it. Because Jesus is God and man, you have what Jesus has in the face of God the Father. If you don't like yourself, God delights in you. If you feel like your life isn't that meaningful, God clothes it in glory. That fame, that splendor, all of those things will one day be ours. Jesus tells us how to get there. God the Father tells us how to get there. We listen to his voice. So today my prayer is that you would listen to his voice. He delights in you. He clothes you in the riches of his majesty. And as Lewis says, your desires are not too strong, they are too weak. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.